This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Good afternoon, Adelita Montero. Great afternoon, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Uh, we were connected through Instagram, of course, and um, you have a very, very, very interesting background. I'd love to read your bio quick, if that's cool, and let the listeners and the watchers learn a little bit about who you are. I'm going to share my screen, too, to your website. Sounds good. All right. Oh, wow. You know, this was the, we're going to get to this stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll read um, this more brief bio. Adelita is a conscious entrepreneur, an international coach and speaker, and a four-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Congratulations. That's awesome. Adelita works with high-performing entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, and athletes who struggle with unresourceful emotional and mental states, causing them to fall short on reaching their goals. Adelita guides individuals and teams in developing a warrior champion mindset for maximizing results and creating more freedom and success. She provides the best hypnotherapy for anxiety, relationships, insomnia, and more treatment in Los Angeles, California. As a world-class athlete, Adelita teaches the proven techniques and tools in developing her own winning strategies for success on the mats and in life. Very cool. Pumped to talk to you. Tell me about yourself. Well, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time. Jiu-jitsu is really uh, the catalyst for my personal growth. Uh, I was in a in a so unfulfilling, like difficult relationship. My first marriage. I was married for sixteen years. I had two kids. And um, I sort of recreate the, the trauma and the drama of my uh, childhood, of my parent, and, and, I, and I recreated that to, to heal it, basically, and to grow. So when I found jiu-jitsu, I was able to be confident, and um, I started to learn to face my fears and you know, feeling strong and starting to win tournaments. So I was able to grow out of like, oh, my God, I'm stuck in here in this relationship chokehold and then I'm going to like, you know, break out of here and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm not supposed to feel trapped and unfulfilled and not be able to grow. So that's what jujitsu did for me. It was really the catalyst uh, for my personal growth, for my journey, personal development. And then now I'm a therapist and I'm uh, starting to work with um, applied neuroscience and so forth. Wow. Incredible background. Um, where, where were you born? Where are you from? I'm from Brazil, Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned jiu-jitsu here. I started jiu-jitsu when I was already 29 years old. So... It's not something like I'm Brazilian, but my jiu-jitsu is very much American. I started jiu-jitsu at Carlson Gracie team mm -hmm. with Temecula of all places. And wow. uh, Temecula, California. So I lived in Orange County for a long time. And then my ex-partner wanted to move to buy some properties in Temecula and, and, and investment properties. But we had to live in some in one of them to make it work and it was it was a two-hour commute to his work and to my school i was going to to cal state long beach for business hmm. so also you have, have, you have a business background too yeah yeah i do i mean yeah. i dabble in so many things it's, <laughs> you, you well know. We're, we're, we'll we'll touch on them but so you said you had a little bit of trauma growing up in brazil yeah. um how, how did you deal with some of that trauma as a young person? Were you an athlete? I didn't know that I had trauma. Like people that have trauma don't know that they have trauma for the most part from what I'm seeing on my clinical practice. You just don't know what you don't know. You just kind of go about life just with this filter of trauma and trouble and you just kind of keep attracting that which wants to heal. Mm -hmm. So it takes like some 
personal growth, some some growing, some unconsciousness growth for you to even realize what is going on. That okay, I have trauma. Like, how do I deal with trauma? Yeah, so that's it's, it's difficult. It's not, that's, uh, not an easy path. <laughs> that's um, it's a really interesting moment, and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, and I wrote about it in my first book. Um, but I call that moment of awakening the I'm the asshole moment. You know, it's like the moment of saying, I'm the maker of my madness. I'm the person that's responsible for all this. And maybe it was because of trauma or things that happened to me, but mm -hmm. it's my responsibility now to, to change those things and become the kind of person that you want to be. And uh, I, I remember there's a picture of me reading a book by Tony Robbins called Money. You ever read that book? I haven't read this one, but I have many yeah. of his books. Yeah. And I remember it was November 2014 and I was reading this book and I said, it literally clicked in my head and I was like, wait a second. You're the reason that you're getting in fights with your business partners and you're at war with this one and you're arguing with that one. And I said, oh my God. And so it just, it, it's, it's funny when you have that moment of realization, it helps set you up to to find all the things that you wanted and all the success and the happiness. And it was so funny because I also had a bad relationship in college for a number of years. And then it ended after college and I was so sad and I was so depressed. And every day I was driving to and from work and I would just be marinating in my, in my madness and, you know, so upset. And I would, and I would be dreaming and daydreaming about all the things that she must be doing and how happy she was. And, and of course, none of that was even real. I was just making it up in my head. Right. And then I'd get to lunch and I'd say, everything will be okay by lunch. Everything will be okay by lunch. And then of course, eat food, wait. And that, that's also around the time I was getting serious about jujitsu. So it's, uh, I think that these are universal truths, which is what my podcast is all about. You know, my, my upcoming book, Business Jiu-Jitsu is all about, it's discovering universal truths that we find in jujitsu that help us become better people in business or in life? Yes, you know, the way you do one thing is how you do everything. So when you start improving jujitsu, you can't help but your personal flaws or strengths or whatever, it's all gonna come out in the mess. It's gonna be very uh, uh, apparent for to everybody. And you, you start to pick up the patterns. It's like, okay, there's this pattern like, uh, in my life, and then there's this pattern in jujitsu, and then am I owning up to, you know, I'm going to pretend that I'm tapping, am I really going to tap, you know what I mean, are you taking responsibility for your mistakes? Yeah. <laughs> so it all shows, and then you, if you can't see, you can't grow, right? So I think that jujitsu also gives you the courage, which is very important for you to move up the scale of consciousness. I like uh, the work of Dr. David Hawkins, uh, Power Versus Force. And letting go, highly recommend that. I tell all my clients by letting go, but you, you know, Power Versus Force is the most famous book, Dr. David Hawkins. Mm -hmm. And he explains that, you know, the level of courage, courage is when you break uh, through the, the, the lower levels of negative emotions of, um, of fear, anger, <clears throat> apathy, and all those kinds of emotions. And so that you can rise up to like courage, willingness, eventually love and enlightenment so it's it's a it's a it's it's a process of growing but without the courage to face your yourself basically to face your flaws to mm. to admit that um you know we carry a lot of uh, our parental programming it's like you have to sort it out like now okay you you might have had trauma from childhood which i have had or from uh, relationships which makes it even worse but then now you're grown up now in this present moment what can you do now with what you have to heal that and and to take responsibility for your emotions for your thoughts for your that's a nicer feelings. way of saying what i said <laughs> no no totally yeah. i think this is so important this is the most like if you don't have this you don't have anything you're in a victim mindset right i'm also writing a book and uh books are awesome you know everybody should write a book and uh, uh books are awesome i i i think that they're a cheat code for life i never liked reading growing up i think that sometimes when you tell people who don't read that how powerful it is that they think it's pretentious they don't understand 
But what I found so amazing about books is that all of these incredibly successful people have left you all of the breadcrumbs, you know, all the breadcrumbs, leaders, philosophers, generals, presidents, all of these successful people, actors, um, producers, and they all have something to teach. And what you find out when you crack these pages is, is like I said, these universal truths, these, these uh, modes of operating that help you get what you want in life, happiness, success, relationship, uh, good relationships. And so um, when I didn't have the answers, when I was building my companies in my, in my late 20s and I had exhausted all of my natural talent, the only place I had left to turn was books. And I started finding all the answers and I was like, oh my God, this is so incredible. And so instead of applying my own thoughts and filters, I said, what would Abraham Lincoln do in this situation? What would General Patton do in this situation? What would Tony Robbins do in this situation? And so, and then what happened over the years and years and years of reading, I started to develop my own ways of thinking, like more like them than my standard way of thinking when I was, when I was younger. And I think that's very similar to jujitsu. Like you said it perfectly. And I say that all the time. You don't even know what you don't know at the beginning. And you start doing jujitsu as a white belt. And as you get better and better and better, you're collecting technique. And all of a sudden you start to develop your own game. And, uh, and that's like book. I, I've often equated mat time to reading time. You know, the mat, the mat time in jujitsu is like reading time in business. It's so critical if you want to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. You start to see, see your patterns, right. Uh, on your game and how frustrating you can get or how, uh, you know, what's your work ethic and all those kinds of things. This is, so it's a, it's a great, it's a great way to, um, face your fears and humility, right? Like jujitsu teaches so much humility. Like mm -hmm. if you don't have humility, if you have a very big ego, I don't think anybody can survive like, you know, you have to have some malleability, <laughs> yes. you know, because you're going to get tapped. I mean, in the beginning, like in the first three months, I think it's just, you know, you just survive. <laughs> yeah. Just just stay calm. You know, it's hard for them to take, stay calm. Right. Like it feels like fight or flight. Right. The, people are going to kill me. Right. And then the, the white belts are really tense. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm like, calm down. I'm not going to kill you. I promise. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and if you've been around jujitsu long enough, then you've probably experienced that at all the belt levels because you've unfortunately gotten injured or something took you off the mat and you have to go back. And then all of a sudden people that you were easily beating before uh -huh. caught up a little bit. And now that's the same feeling all over again. Oh my God. It's that feeling of drowning. And so it's, it's a, it's a big circle. You know, it's a big, that jujitsu is a big circle for the ego and no matter, that's like my logo business jujitsu. It's right in the corner or here up by your head. Um, of uh, the um, the Enso, it's a you know rebirth and the beginning, and when you get to the end, you you restart at the beginning. So, so, so tell me a little bit about your career because you have done a lot. You've you've been a stunt person. I did a little bit. Hypnotherapist, hypno stage actress or actor. Um, you have a really diverse background. Where did it start? Well, let's see. I always started in Brazil. I was a little girl, and uh, I've always had this need to fill up my schedule. Like, I was doing um, English English lessons. I would go after school to a language school twice a week. So I started to learn English, and it's almost like I already knew. Like, I was being prepared to come here. Like, mm. I had no idea. I didn't know anybody that lived in foreign places or anything like that so out of my you know uh circle of 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 knowledge and mm -hmm. um but still i was learning that i did that from the time i was 12 to the time i was 16. uh so i had some level of competency but i i thought i did until i got to here <laughs> and then i realized i'm still learning this is like 20 one years later, you know, and it's funny that, you know, not every immigrant also learn. Like I'm, I have to make a real effort, right, to continue to learn. Like I had kids, so I also see them grow up to school. So that helps. Yeah. So, yeah, English has helped me a lot. And then I also did some uh, 
drama classes in Brazil we call theater drama mm -hmm. classes like you you're learning how to, to do drama to be dramatic yeah <laughs> yeah so uh so that was really fun I think that when we when you have a lot of trauma one of the research-based evidence-based ways to treat trauma it turns out that is through theater it is mm -hmm. somatic. It is through movement. It is through jujitsu. It is martial arts. It's yoga. It's capoeira. So, like, there is this super expert, forty-year uh, expert in the in the field of trauma healing, uh, Doctor Basil Vanderkolk. He wrote the body keeps the score. It's like the Bible of trauma, right? Mm. He wrote that back in two thousand and fourteen, kind of. Oh well. Yeah. So it's been around for a long time and he's really big on, you know, alternative ways because he was involved. He was a psychiatrist. He was a do medical doctor. He was involved in uh, medication uh, studies like for depression, Prozac and Zoloft and all these kinds of things. And what he found out, you know, it's not an opinion. He found out that it didn't work. It's not working. The common ways of healing trauma, which I had a lot growing up, the conventional ways, which is talk therapy, blah, blah, blah. Let me talk you to, you know, just relax, you know, relax. <laughs> it's just start like telling the white belt to relax. You know what I mean? They just came in and you're, everybody's trying to kill him. Just relax into it. You know, it's just not going to happen. Right. And meds necessarily not very useful for hard to treat cases. For most cases, it's not like, hey, here, take a pill, like in your all your problems go away. So sometimes we kind of wish for that because you know it would have been great if it worked, but it just doesn't, right? Mm. And it's not an opinion. So Dr. Basil Vernicol goes through all these processes that I just found out recently because I'm in grad school for clinical psychology my last year and learned that all the things that I was kind of intuitively doing was the process of my own healing. So mm -hmm. the the theater, the somatic work, and then eventually I got into capoeira. That was my first martial art. In Brazil? Yeah, in Brazil. So I was like 12 years old. I did a few years. And I loved it. The martial arts was already in me, right? So it's um, that kind of helped me. I got into skateboarding after that. <laughs> and there was this whole skateboarding life in Brazil. And I would compete in skateboarding. And then I would travel mm. compete. That's why I came to the U.S. because For skateboarding. Well, for skateboarding. I came as an athlete to compete in like different, you know, women's tournaments and things like that. So wow. I did some of that. In Brazil, I was like top three. And I like I was top one like in 1999 or something I don't know 2000 and I was raining you know, in Brazil but when I get here it's like oh my god there's Elisa Stimmer and like all oh, these girls that are just like they're just doing crooked grinds like one truck on down the like 20 stair like rails yeah with one truck grinding that down like you know no big deal and then keep flipping off of it it's like oh my god i'm just a little bit out of my league so i try you know i just i i competed i you know would like get eighth place tenth place and it's just like the level just got so insane right yeah. like the girls that came so i was with the first few girls that first came from brazil to compete and then now there's like a whole wave of the girls that came after us Right, like um, Leticia Buffoni from Brazil. She's sponsored by Red Bull, and she did this crazy like Red Bull trick that she 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 grinded a rail and and then what jumped from from a helicopter after that. Oh wow, <laughs> that's yeah. not where I thought you were going. <laughs> yeah, and she won so many X Games. So she was like 13 years old when she first came, and oh, wow. kind of like me and and the group of my other girlfriends, like we sort of like saw her growing up and, and she kind of followed our steps and then now she's like she competed in olympics you know kind wow. of thing in tokyo so women skateboarding was like a big thing i was the only girl skater in my hometown and i've always been kind of counterculture 
I don't know where I got that. Like I had a boyfriend that used to skateboard said, and then he's like, ah, I'm like, let me try. He's like, no, you're never going to do it. I'm like, you watch me. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like, like you have a measure of athleticism that like brings you to all these different, um, yeah. Know, disciplines, whether it's jujitsu or capoeira or skateboarding. Yeah. Um, and it probably, you know, you, you're able to ride that wave of athleticism. And it's uh, a common theme, I think. I don't know where it comes from because my family, right? That's what I speak about and I write on my book. If you look at my family, like, they're like, I'm so different, right? I feel like I'm from another planet. Like, both <laughs> of my parents. Like they uh, smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Like my dad drank. My mom had epilepsy when I was born. She wow. started having that. I think the hormones, whatever, triggered this kind of thing. So she had to take like meds for that mm. epileptic seizures. And she was, a, they both were cops. So I have the kind, you know, there's probably some cop genetics in me. <laughs> and uh, they, so, so she struggled. They both worked full time. So I'm like with this, with, you know, my grandmother took care of me and then some nanny cleaning lady, like the nanny is also the cleaning lady in Brazil. So a nanny cleaning lady, she's cleaning. She's not really nanny. And I just kind of grew up like that, you know, like, you know, both parents working, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's a kind of a newer thing in our society. And it's really hard for the kid needs the attention. So I had both parents working. My dad drank. He was a functional alcoholic. You never saw him like hammered. But I, now I know looking back, he drank every day. Like he's mm-hmm. coping with life drinking. Yeah. Period. He passed away five years ago. So mm-hmm. not even going to be mad <laughs> that I'm saying this. Yeah. And then my mom is struggle, health struggle. You have kids, you don't know what's gonna happen. You have kids, right? Like yes, it's do. a huge thing for women to give birth. It's scary. Like anything can happen. Sure. Well, <clears throat> you can only imagine what they potentially could have achieved had they not, you know, found cigarettes and booze and however they were coping with the things in their life at that time. They didn't know, you know, at that time it was a different it was a different time. Different time. And that was the best that they, you know, that was, they were doing the best they could with what they had. You know what I mean? And I went through this whole thing called the Hoffman process with a personal development growth uh, week-long process in, in Northern California mm-hmm. that you get in there and you turn in your cell phone and then you just dive deep on like the pattern, like the negative patterns from your parental programming. And you just like there's so many so much work like psychological work kind of like and that's how i found out about nlp that's how people started telling wow maybe you should be doing this kind of work and it's like big like group therapy and you know just different things and you know learning about self-awareness and learning all about those things i was like my very first baby steps in this world and can you, um, can you just tell like give a little beginner explanation mm-hmm. about nlp NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, right? Programming, yeah. I mean, Tony Robbins, right? He created the field, you know? He created the field of Neuro Linguistic Programming. It's funny because in grad school and, you know, I have all these students, uh, you know, know, friends and, you know, soon-to-be therapists. Nobody knows about NLP. (laughs) So, like, I've been a coach and a hypnotherapist for five years, and I had all this life experience. So the kids in grad school right now, like, they, you know, they're young. They they haven't been married and divorced and this and that, and they haven't, they don't have the tools and the experience that I've had coaching, you know, people and hypnotizing people for five years on their negative beliefs. So I think that's what it is. Like, neurolinguistic programming is programming your 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 psychology, your neurology, you know, uh, your how your how your physical your physicality affects your neurology, right? The words that we say, how that is a like you're listening to the words that you're saying, and even when you're not saying anything, the thoughts that you're thinking, your beliefs, right, and how those negative beliefs, limiting beliefs, are affecting. Everything like you can see that in jujitsu, like some people are like, Oh, I can't this and that, sign up for this tournament, or 
you know, I'm so scared, like, and then, and then, and then you start to, to see the pattern of their thinking and it's you can, it's so negative. Like where, where it's not, it's not, where did you learn that? What's that coming from? So you start to, you have to kind of have like a meta awareness of your own processes and to kind of remove yourself from inside the picture. Like Les Brown says, you can't see clearly, you can't see what's going on in the picture if you're inside the picture, you know? Absolutely. You have to jump out and create some space so you can have some, you know, it's almost not dissociation, but, you know, just create some space so that you can, you yeah. can watch your life like it's a movie. Don't get so fully invested on the drama of even the highs and the lows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, Tony Robbins says where focus goes, energy flows. That was like one of the things he had in the book that was so powerful to me. It was mm -hmm. one of those moments where it just kind of the, the light bulb switched. And that was when I went, met my wife in 2015. Mm -hmm. We connected on that. And I used to say at that time, I always used to be like, I'm a bottomless pit of hunger. I'm a bottomless pit of hunger. And she'd be <laughs> like, why do you say that? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, if you just say that you're not hungry, you're not going to be so hungry. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to stop saying that. And I just stopped saying it. If there's one thing I'm pretty good at is like, if somebody gives me a good tip, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I like that tip. Let's do that. And so I just stopped saying I'm a bottomless pit of hunger. And then all of a sudden I wasn't a bottomless pit of hunger anymore. Just like that. Like in one day, I remember where I was. I was in my parents' beach house in the bathroom I could like, I know exactly where I was standing. She said it to me. She's like, why do you say that? It's like, I don't know why I say that. <laughs> so yeah, where I really you? connect with what you're saying and I believe it with all my heart. And I just, as many people that could hear it as possible, whatever you tell yourself, that's what you are. If yes. you say, yes. you say it, please take it away. You're the, you're an expert. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just love this conversation, you know, because it just kind of reminds me that that's self-hypnosis. Mm. Right. Makes a lot of sense. I don't know much about hypnosis, but I do know uh, that you, what the, you, your thoughts color your life. And that's what I was describing before is I, I, I was in my mid twenties and I was driving every day to work mm. and I was making up these stories in my head. And then I read this book by Tony Robbins and I just instead, and then I was listening to books on tape every day, coming back and forth, back and forth from, from New York city to my office in Long Island. <clears throat> and instead of thinking about my thoughts, I was listening to all of these leaders and amazing people for years, even to this day, I still do it all the time. And I, and so instead of me just making up stories in my head or thinking about it, even if my life was good, even if I was thinking about something that's great, I just changed my thinking from what I was thinking to what all these other people. And then what was so interesting about all these great books, especially biographies, was the incredible trials and tribulations that these people went through. And you just can't even imagine you know, what President Grant went through after this war during reconstruction period. I mean, those are problems. It, it put all my problems into perspective when I was learning about these amazing people and all the decisions that they had to make. And it made the decisions that I had to make seem not so not so big, even though they're big in my own life, but it, it always put it into perspective, thinking about, you know, like JFK during the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's, that's stress. You know, not me opening another women's clothing store or buying another building, like, you know, my, my average day to day. Those are stressful situations in my life for growing my business, but it, whenever I think about it through those lenses, I always feel a little bit better. Yeah, you know, I think everybody has a different type of, uh, cross to carry, you know, like uh, responsibilities and things that they, you know, some heavier than others, but yeah. it does help to uh, learn from others and to study and to, right, like reach out, like so that you're not, you don't feel like you're alone, right? I think uh, volunteering and being of service to people is oh, yeah. a really great way to get out of your own head, to get out of your own, you know, oh, you know, poor me and my victim and my problems are so unique. No, they're not. Okay. So true. <laughs> you know, like there's so many people with trauma and childhood trauma is like everybody's traumatized. You know, Everybody has people trauma. that have been like sexually assaulted, molested, that you, you did they 
you couldn't even know. Maybe their family don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, different kinds of trauma, like medical trauma, family trauma. It's just everywhere. And so what I like to, to think in terms of like when you're on the mat in jiu-jitsu, that when somebody steps on the mat, they're going to roll with you. Don't just crush and kill that person. Like, you know what I mean? You don't know what it took for them to be there. Maybe they're trying to go do their therapy and now you're going to roll with them and you're going to go beat the heck out of them. You know what I mean? It's more traumatizing. Like, just try to think in terms of, you know, compassion, like other people, you know, compassionate choking. That's <laughs> yeah, true. But you know what I mean? You don't need to like devastate somebody, especially okay, if you're you know, you have to kind of think in terms, okay, I'm a higher bell or I'm stronger or whatever. Like, you know, if I'm a man rolling with a woman, like am I gonna crush that woman? Like maybe that woman has been, you know, assaulted on the street and she's trying to learn some self-defense, and yep. then this big blue bell is gonna come and just like you know she, she's gonna quit so it's really absolutely. hard absolutely and you have to be a good teammate you know one of my teammates is the uh I, I think she well she's now the former but she was the three-time defending invicta world champion at the women's tanisha Tennant. and so we train together all the time i'm six wow. two, 220 pounds you know she's significantly smaller than me she's um she's a purple belt she's an extremely good purple belt she's like a new york purple belt which is like sometimes it could be a little she could be a, like a brown belt in many places in my opinion right. but if i you know asserted my dominance on her and just crushed her inside control we could never train together she would just go get different training partners her goal in life is to be the Invicta Women's World Champion, not the heavyweight men's championship. And so one of the things I often tell my employees is you're not competing with anybody but yourself. You have to be, achieve your goals. You know, you're not trying to beat somebody else. You're not trying to, it doesn't matter what the store next to you is doing or what the landlord down the block is doing. You have to try to win your day. And so like, I'm not competing with Chanel, you know, of course they sell clothes, but they're in a totally different league than me. And so having great training partners is about that. You are not trying to beat your training partners. You're trying to become a better jujitsu practitioner and mm -hmm. becoming a better jujitsu practitioner means training with all different types of people. And sometimes you need, in my case, that 300 pound, six foot seven guy to sit on top of you so that I can learn how to work out of those situations. And I need him to you know, make me extremely uncomfortable. But other times I need to train with a teenage uh, white belt and I just need to flow with them and use zero strength. And it teaches you about all the different ebbs and flows of life and all the different things you're going to encounter in business. Because you if, you, if you constantly avoid the uncomfortable, well, then all of a sudden COVID comes around and the government forces you to shut down your stores and furlough 200 employees and you're not equipped to deal with it because you're like you don't have the you don't have the answers to deal with those questions because you haven't been putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and so if you alienate training partners and you beat them up as you're saying mm -hmm. then you're not going to have any training partners and that is a a, a curse that many many jiu-jitsu practi practitioners mm -hmm. have had to try to figure out why doesn't anybody want to train with me I know it's it's you know it's part of the learning process so I, I hope that this can you know people can listen to this and like you know contemplate that's their role and like what am I trying to do like am I here to like right compete and beat up on people all the time like you know sign up for a tournament right go go yeah. go at it you know but then like when you're with your teammates you know, try to learn. There are some people that like to go hard and then you kind of have to adjust. You know what I mean? You don't roll the same way with everybody. So he has some finesse. You have to kind of refine, right? I'm rolling with the kid. I'm rolling with the woman. I'm rolling with the guy. I'm rolling with the black belt. So it's all different ways of rolling. And isn't that true with life, right? Absolutely. There's all these different situations and sometimes you have to adapt, right? One of, uh, when I was in college, I was going to go on, well, I didn't even want to go on spring break. And my roommate and best friend at the time convinced me to go on spring break. And so I paid for it. And the night before I was supposed to leave, he called me and said, I don't want to fly. I'm scared. I don't want to go on spring break. And he left me and I had nobody to go with. And I called my dad. I said, F him. I'm never speaking to him again. And my dad said, 
go on spring break. You're going to meet a hundred people. I'm sure you're going to know people there. You're going to have a great time. And he said, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you try to cut out every person in your life that disappoints you, then you're going to have no friends because everybody's going to disappoint you at some point. He mm -hmm. said, everybody has comes into your life for a different reason. And you can be friends with them just because they do things wrong by you. And that guy is still one of my best friends to this day. As a matter of fact, I have a business call with him in about 30 minutes. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. you know, it, it, people, you, you, it's, it's about you. It's about how you respond, how you react to these situations that happen in your life. I did go on that spring break and I did have a great time. And, you know, I didn't need that guy. And, you know, you have to empathize and think about what he was going through at the time. Turns out he was going through a lot of personal problems and a lot of family problems that I didn't know about. You know, I didn't know about until later on. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not saying it is, but he, his, his parents were just about getting divorced. And so he was in a crisis and he hadn't yet shared that with me. And wow. so I could have easily cut him out of my life and lost the best friend, but I, I, I elected to keep him in my life. And I always shout out my dad for that, Glenn, because I have used that principle over and over and over and over again, which is just because someone's doing something at you, it's not about you, you know? And in business, I often say like, or I think it's from Navy SEAL Jocko Willing, it's all on you, but it's not all about you. You know, like it's your job to get the job done, but it's not about you. You know, these things aren't happening to you. They're happening and you just have to like- For you. <laughs> yeah, for you, perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds like you had a great dad. I do have a great dad. He's still here. He's uh, my business partner in many businesses, and mm. he's uh, a, an amazing mentor. We wrote the, my first book together, This Is It, and we've had a great working relationship, although not easy, you know, not easy. As a son, you mm -hmm. have to learn how to be a great business partner. You have to learn how to be a great family member, and you have to learn how to put your ego in check and absorb the knowledge and the lessons that are being taught to you, even when you want to take things in a different direction. And, um, and you have to recognize that your parents are just people, you know, and they have emotions and they have feelings and you can't be a spoiled brat all the time. And so, um, and then another really difficult part about working with family is that they're always gonna see you as your base self. You could do all the work in the world. You could do all the jujitsu training. You could take classes and get master's degrees and go to prestigious schools. And mm -hmm. they're still going to see you as a little baby. And they know exactly what to say to snap you back to 12-year-old Jordan. <laughs> they know exactly what to say to push your buttons. And so they see through all the – it's kind of like doing jujitsu in the sense like you can't hide on the mat. And mm -hmm. so they, they just know exactly. Mm -hmm. so, so if you want to be successful, you have to have recognition of all that. And you have to take the lessons of jujitsu, which have been so helpful for me and saying, you know, sometimes you're your parents mirror. Sometimes when they say hurtful things to you, they're not saying it to you. They're being critical of themselves. And so learning how to absorb that and, and, and be of service to them, like you said, is, is a superpower that I think jujitsu is very, very, very good teacher in that regard. Amazing. So tell me a little bit about the, now I'm interviewing you, <laughs> <laughs> okay. about this book of yours. How, what was the process of that? I watched a little bit of your documentary. It was very yeah. interesting. And yeah. is, is, is that, uh, can you explain a little bit of uh, Sure. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for watching the documentary and yeah. shout out to Will Harris, who's a podcast guest, and he's the number one mixed martial arts documentarian in the world. He's does oh. Khabib and Usman and everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. Anatomy of a Fighter, go check out his channel. It is the best mixed martial arts by far and away. He is on the ground with these fighters in their camps right now as we speak. And he's doing like the behind the scenes footage, uh, you know, it's just so, so, so good. So uh, anyway, shout out, Will. I, I love that guy. Um, mm -hmm. my, the process of my book was this. In 2008, I was beginning to work for my father. I had graduated from college earlier that year, right before the global recession. And I was working for another company and I very quickly lost my job as did many, many of my friends in, who worked in banking in the New York area and real estate. And so they were really scary times. You know, 08 was, was extremely scary to be in business. And um, my dad began writing a blog, glennedwards.wordpress.com. 
right. started writing about hope, optimism. He started saying, I've been through recessions before. Things are going to get better. And he wrote it. And it was it connected with a lot of my friends. He was getting hundreds of views and comments. It was like a little cottage blog. Well, the world got better. All my friends went back to work. And the blog just laid dormant. At some point, he stopped writing it. And then a number of years later, so that was around you know, 08, 09. So a number of years later, maybe around 15, 16, I rediscovered the blog. And I started reading it. And if I, at that point, if I had looked back and I said, how much did my dad write? I would have thought maybe he wrote 20 blog posts. He had written every day for like almost three years. There were hundreds of blog posts and I couldn't believe what he had written. And as I mentioned to you, I had in that time become a reader. At the time he wrote it, I wasn't a reader. And what I recognized about what my dad was writing was so much of his message was so similar to the message of all the people that I had respected and admired so much. And I had a new appreciation for all the lessons that my dad had been trying to impart on me in my early 20s and before. So I printed out the blog and I made it into a coffee table book for him. And I presented it to him and I said, Dad, you have to write a book. And he was like, I have no interest in writing a book. Thanks, but I have enough on my plate. And I, and I, I don't take no for an answer easily. So I said, you're writing a book. He said, I'm not writing a book. So I went out and I found a company, which at the time was called Book in a Box. And today is called Scribe. And they're a full service writing and publishing company, whereas they will take your ideas and you work with a publishing team and a scribe and they do, they will take you through the entire process. And I have said at the time they were a very, very young company, mm -hmm. but they had some, they had that magic. They were a special company. They knew they, and, and so they produced this book. I was involved in every step of the process and he came out with his first book coming into your own. I'll link to it here if anybody's interested. And the day that he was done and the book was published and we got it in our hands. I'm just going to grab it right here. It's in front of me. Great. Yes, please. So, yeah. Here, here's the book, Coming Into Your Own. And, and when we held this book, he looked at me and he said, that was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life, jotting down all of the stories and core values and memories from his career. And he said, I'm going to all of the generations of our family are going to be able to go back and look at this. And the day that he was done, he said, you and me are going to write a book together. And at that point we had been working together for about 10 years. And so I had 10 years of track record in my career and all of the stories and core values that were formative in my life. And we worked with scribe to write this book, which is called, this is it. This is it. What a great name. And it was, you know, all of the early stories, a lot of failures, a lot of my business failures in here mm. and hard lessons won. And then also the failures that lead to success. And so there was a lot of, a lot of that in this, in this book, which we love so much. And so we co-authored this together. And then when this book was over, I knew in my heart, I already had business jujitsu in mind. And I said, I have to write a book for how jujitsu has impacted my life. And, uh, and I'm, um, I'm editing the manuscript right now. I've been working on it for two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. And so business jujitsu is, will be coming to life in the next few months. God willing. <laughs> and I started this podcast to do research for it. And that's, that's how the podcast started. Amazing. Okay. Now what is the process that you're using to publish? Are you using Scribe or what are you using now? So Scribe <laughs> is a, a full service and I'm so happy to talk about them. I've talked about them a lot on this book. I give it out to lots of different authors. Um, they are a full service company. They will take you from idea to getting your book published. And they do walk you through the entire process from start to finish. So um, creating the outline, working on the chapter structures, getting the stories going, um, writing out the chapters, uh, editing the book putting the book together, doing the cover, marketing the book. I mean, they will do from day one until, you know, the book is out there. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm in the process of doing that. My book is more than halfway done. And yeah. uh, I'm in the process of trying to figure it out now, like where, which publishing company and yeah. where I'm going to go. So, yeah, well, yeah there, I, I give them a big endorsement. If you want to be connected mm -hmm. or if anybody wants to be connected with them, I would be happy to do it. 
and they are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And mm-hmm. they have an amazing CEO. Uh, they're a mission-driven company, and they just first class all the way. I really. And you, what's so interesting is, so my exact team. This is so. Are you a fan of David Goggins? Yes. So I'm reading David Goggins. There's an an interesting edge of his, but sure. like uh, So I'm reading his first book, Can't Hurt Me, and I am devouring this book. And you know when a book is so good, you get to the extreme last page. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, this last page, the acknowledgments. And I'm reading the, the acknowledgments, and he starts thanking the same, my team. And I called them up, and I said, how could you not tell me that you were working on this book? And we were sworn to secrecy. We couldn't tell you at the time, but now that it's public, they were what? able to say it. And so I was, yeah. I, I, I was just filled with so much gratitude because I, <sighs> I first of all, I admire him. Completely imperfect person, and he's he's wild, but mm-hmm. I respect him, and he's incredibly motivational. And 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 his book was just amazing. So anywho, yeah, Scribe Media, Lion Crest Publishing is the is the uh, the name of their publishing house. Yeah, so there's something about like when you have a business and you, and, and you know you can put your knowledge into a book, into a course. Like we learn, we see this all the time in and you know NLP and coaching and things like that. It really does, you know, like you did with your dad. Like you put the information into a format so that people can you know learn from and just like we learn from other great minds now we put all condensed of our experience into a book in a summarized way in a way that people can you know dissect and in in uh applying their own life right so i think that it's really remarkable that you can you know it's a tool to grow your business right and sure uh, yeah, there's many reasons to to do it, and you know, even just to leave behind a little piece of you for family or employees, friends, and it's just once the words go down on paper, it's like mm-hmm. they live. You you know, you can live a little bit longer. It's it's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's like so cathartic too, because as you writing it, you are reliving and you rearrange and you kind of like reconfiguring those memories and you even learning the lessons in a deeper way. Yes. And then now you're providing that knowledge to the world in a way that when people uh, benefit from it, I feel like there's a, a in like a great healing of your own. There's a great learning of your own. You kind of expand your own capacity to, um, learn more and grow more right because you just just a give and take right so yeah. it's it's really remarkable beautiful so, well tell me um tell me what you're working on right now so we can uh spread the word i'm going to share your website while you uh while you're talking about it yeah i'm working on my book so my book should be ready by early next year i am um I'm set, I'm working in neurofeedback and applied neuroscience around the area of neurofeedback training. So there's, you know, this technology that you can put electrodes in your brain and have your brain scan to, through QEEG and you can see and manipulate your brain waves. Wow. So people that are stuck in beta wave or they're stuck in theta, you can actually manipulate the brainwave so you can achieve more, not only for, um, you know, uh, high performance, but people that have maybe focus problems, executive functioning. Mm -hmm. It's really good for, what do I use for? I use for um, trauma, like trauma healing. It It can heal, it can, it can, uh, target like your amygdala, mm. like certain wow. areas of your brain, depending where you place the electrode, depending on the protocol, and to calm down a hyperactive fight or flight amygdala. So it's so remarkable. The technology is has grown a lot. Is that what we're looking at here on the screen? Oh, this is my friend Tony Flo. He's like one of my sponsors. Yeah. Well, he worked with Kat Zingano uh-huh. on her knee. Ah. And he just won recently, and he was just there right before her fight. Like He's like staying at my house. He lives in Ireland. Oh, and wow. he has this $40,000 machine from John yeah. Thorpe in, in um, 
San Diego, and he's yes. the second like greatest um, trainer, like practitioner of this technology called Equiscope. Okay. So he's working on my shoulder yesterday. Worked on my there friend. Took my friend to go to jujitsu. She hurt her knee and yes. had shoulder problems. So he heals a microcurrent technology wow. that heals like deeply and kind of recharges and he explains i'm like it's so fascinating i'm like everybody needs people don't know about this technology yeah my oh. wife is a foot and ankle surgeon and she, i don't know if it's yeah. the same technology but it looks very similar she does some kind of shock wave hmm. uh, they use it for all different types of things uh but i have to i have to find out i'll, I'll send it over to you by email when i figure that out yeah connect her yeah. with tony because yeah. You know, they can, sh he can share what he does. He's so like heart based, right? Like yeah. he works with a lot of MMA fighters and professionals. Mm -hmm. So he helps me out every time I get a little tweak. And then if he's around, if he's in town, he lives in Ireland. He's trying to move back. He's from LA. Oh, wow. Uh, he's just up and down. You know, they work with horses and they help like, he's going to Oklahoma work on horses. Wow. And uh, if you work on the horse, it's going to work on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, it is just so wonderful learning about you, and I welcome you to come back anytime on the podcast. I'm dying to hear about your book when it's live, so you better get in touch so that we can uh, we could talk about the, that when it launches. But for now, uh, people can find you at Adelita Live, A-D-E-L-I-T-A, -E live on Instagram. Your website is AdelitaMonteroLive.com, and... Uh, Really, really interesting getting to know you and congratulations on all of your success and continued learning. And uh, please do stay in touch and let me know if I could be of service to you. Yeah, don't forget. I look forward to seeing about your book coming up. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.